Good morning. I hope you found me. I'm back on the Blue Lotus page, and I'll send it to my page. I'm getting all kinds of little blue messages from Facebook telling me the new things I can do. So they're very distracting, so I can do my mindfulness practice just by ignoring them, letting them go, letting them go. It's telling me new things I can do, so... I need to be able to sit and watch that some other time than when I'm live with you. Um, beautiful spring day here, and apparently it's going to get cold towards Easter this weekend, this Easter weekend. So I think I'll be outside enjoying it today as much as I can. I say that when I have a lot of paperwork on my desk to do. <laughs> So I don't know which is gonna which is gonna win out the paperwork or the uh, getting outside. What I wanted to start today was reading more from book uh, Gil Fransdale's book of essays, the issue at hand, <clears throat> essays on Buddhist mindfulness practice, and they are just wonderful. I read the one on uh, tragedy, how we deal with tragedy, responding to responding to tragedy on uh, Sunday. And I think his writing is so clear. It's a really, and he's, his writing is really uh, easy to understand and easy to follow and comprehend. So I, that's one of the reasons I like him. And I love his uh, meditations and the events through his Insight Meditation Center of Mid-Peninsula in Northern California and the Sati Center. So there's a lot of good, there are a lot of good events and teachers and uh, you can do daily meditations with their groups and they're still doing things. They've, uh, they're, they're making their online Dhamma practices uh, continue because they have so many people it's it's opened up a, such a big audience for them so they're live now for a lot of things but a lot of things are are still on zoom so you can get a lot so today what i'm going to do i'm not going to start at the very beginning there's a wonderful the first chapter in this book is longer that's why i'm not reading it today but it, it starts with the four noble truths and he really talks a lot about the the, no, the Four Noble Truths and uh, explain suffering and the end of suffering and the types of uh, how cling, how suffering is formed from the clinging. Uh, you know, we talked about in Buddha Das's book about as soon as we, we hit that stage in our, in our uh, mind where we start to desire something, and then if we can't stop the, uh, the, the next step from happening, then that becomes clinging. And once we begin to cling to things, attach to them and see them as part of me, mine, who I am, belongs to me, uh, that's when the, the uh, clinging starts. It goes from the desire, and if we can't cut it off there, it becomes clinging, which then creates suffering. So he explains that really well. But this is the, uh, the next essay is called Intolerance to Suffering. And I'll read his uh, Dhammapada 146. 
Why the laughter, what the joy, when flames are ever burning? Surrounded by darkness, shouldn't you seek for light? So, intolerance to suffering. Buddhism is often considered a religion of tolerance. In many ways it is, but a particular kind of intolerance develops as we practice, and that's intolerance to suffering. I use the word intolerance to be deliberately provocative, to encourage you to reflect on suffering and the issues surrounding it. Take suffering seriously. Taking suffering seriously is an important element of Buddhist practice. To ignore it is to miss a powerful opportunity. Intolerance to suffering motivated the Buddha to find liberation from it. Suffering, a feeling of dissatisfaction with life, motivates people to engage in spiritual practice. The Buddha's challenge is for us to become free of our suffering. People are often quite tolerant of their suffering, particularly of the subtle suffering in everyday activities. For example, we may not pay attention to the subtle tension in the way we drive, going a little faster than is comfortable, judging other drivers, or perhaps being anxious about our destination. Doesn't that sound familiar? Such minor stress tends to build over time, affecting our overall mood. That's just a huge one, isn't it? Just that that's just an everyday thing. If we're driving a little faster, you know, that's one I've really, uh, I've really worked on in the last few years, not more than two, but from before the pandemic, like, being comfortable, being safe, not trying to speed up to save time. I like that. So such minor stress tends to build over time, affecting our overall mood. People also tolerate larger suffering. For example, we may be afraid that addressing certain issues in our relationships will cause even more suffering so we choose not to. Or we may passively tolerate such existential anxiety as the fear of death, never really looking into it deeply, never freeing ourselves of its grip on our life. We have many ways of tolerating suffering and many reasons for doing so. We may fear the consequences of facing our suffering. We may become numb to it or turn away from it. We can intentionally deny the existence of something that is quite uncomfortable. We may also tolerate our suffering because of ambition or desire. Or we may be willing to tolerate some suffering to achieve what we perceive is a greater good. Perhaps this tolerance is a necessary component of life. To graduate from college, for example, many of us tolerated unpleasant situations. We were willing to put up with the discomfort because of the value of the education. But such trade-offs are not always worthwhile. When we consider our deepest values, we may find that, we are, that what we are pursuing is not really worth it. 
For example, financial wealth may not be worth the years of stress needed to achieve it. Major crises and personal tragedies can be very difficult to deal with. But they can be easier if we have had experience with smaller issues. The subtle suffering in our lives, such as in the way we drive or talk to co-workers, may seem unimportant, but if we attend to the small ways that we suffer, we create a context of greater ease, peace, and responsibility, which can make it easier to deal with the bigger difficulties when they arise. I think that's a really important point, too. Being intolerant of suffering in the Buddhist sense does not mean that we reject it or fight against it. It means that we stop and look at it, not morbidly, but rather because we have faith in the possibility of living a joyful and peaceful life if we can understand our sufferings. In Buddhist practice, we investigate the nature of suffering. One of the first things we may notice is our relationship to it. We may discover how we tolerate, avoid, or accept suffering in unhealthy ways. We may notice our aversion to suffering. Trying to push something out of the heart is another form of suffering. Aversion to suffering creates even more suffering. So we're not trying to say there is suffering and so we're going to hate it. We're going to, we're going to push it away. We're going to say, no, not me. It's, it, this is very important for him to talk about. Trying to push something out of the heart is another form of suffering. Aversion to suffering creates even more suffering. That's really important. We may also notice how suffering functions in our lives. We might be using it as proof of or justification for inappropriate judgments about ourselves. For example, that we are blameworthy, inadequate, or incapable. Identifying strongly with our suffering can become our orientation to the world. Occasionally, people hang on to the identity I'm a victim and want to be treated by others as a victim. We can use our suffering to get other people to respond to us in ways that may not be healthy. However, being willing to investigate suffering and to look at it closely and non-reactively changes our relationship to it. We bring a healthy part of our psyche to the experience of suffering Instead of being wrapped up in our suffering, lost in aversion to it, or shut off from it, we simply ask, what is this? This movement towards a different relationship with our suffering is an important aspect of Buddhist practice. Meditation practice helps us develop concentration. When we develop concentration on something as simple as the breath, we counter the force of our attachments with the strength of our concentration. Concentration often creates a sense of calm, ease, and even joy that in turn begins to change our relationship to suffering. 
But concentration is only a part of mindfulness practice. Mindfulness strengthens our ability to look honestly and steadily at the source of our suffering. It helps us to see that the roots of our suffering are actually in the present moment. The conditions that gave birth to suffering may be in the past, and understanding past conditions can be very helpful. But suffering occurs in the present moment and is actually held in place by craving, aversion, or fear that are also happening in the present, that are also occurring in the present. If we can release the holding, suffering loosens. If we can release the holding, suffering loosens. Mindfulness joined with concentration allows us to see the moment-to-moment holding at the heart of our suffering. Now again, it's that hanging on to something, clinging to it. Intolerance to suffering may coexist, coexist with joy. Certainly not joy in the suffering itself, but the joy of bringing our practice to bear on it. As we become intolerant of our suffering and face it honestly, we begin to see the possibility of living a joyful and peaceful life. I think Gil Fransdale has a, a beautiful way of writing, such clarity, and he's really tapping into exactly what we need to hear. So how do we, how do, what does this mean, even intolerance to suffering? It's, it's not what it may seem on the surface. Sometimes we may think that uh, all we think about in Buddhism is suffering, that everything is suffering, that that's just, that's how it is. And actually the Buddha, the Buddha's entire teaching is based on how do we, how can, that's figuring out how not to suffer. And that's exactly what his path is. There is suffering in the world. That's just a truism. That's true. We can see that when we look at ourselves and when we look in nature. But that's not what the Buddha came to teach us. He said there is suffering, and he wants to help us find a path out of that suffering. So I think this is a beautiful, beautiful essay. And um, you can listen to me reading it, or remember, you can get these PDF files if you if you you can just check out uh, Gil Fronsdale. F-R-O-N-S-D-A-L, just Google it, and you'll find, uh, you'll find, just keep looking, and you'll find his uh, PDF files for this, for this, his essays from the issue at hand. But I think you can still buy the book, but you can certainly find it and read it for free. So I think we'll continue reading some in that because I, I just love his writing and I love how much sense it makes. And there's always something in his writing that can just be immediately used. You know, it's very, it's very uh, in the now. And so it's really good to help us work with things. And you can work on them today. So why don't we sit with the rest of our time and... Just let's just be with the breath.
So lift your body. Whatever posture you're in is fine. If you're walking and listening, just don't uh, close your eyes. Or if you're doing something, or if you're babysitting and you need to watch the kids, you can leave your eyes open, of course. The only reason we close them is to kind of give ourselves more, a little, maybe a little bit of privacy, but mostly to cut out some of the distraction that the visual input will, will, can be overwhelming at times. So if you don't want to close your eyes, you can just let your eyes gaze downward, maybe about six feet in front of you. So as we're breathing, and that's this is Anapanasati, we are, we're not trying to cut out the rest of the world. We're not trying to cut out what's coming into us through our senses. But we're learning to just be present with whatever. And we don't have to react. We don't have to say, it's too noisy to meditate. We can do it anywhere. Because we can take things in and we'll see that we don't need to react to them. We don't need to um, be critical of what's the things in our environment. You know, we'll feel, we'll hear things, and we'll we may smell uh, cooking smells, and uh, we don't need that doesn't need to bother us. We can just be present with the moment and not let that get us distracted into different thinking. That's what we're learning to do. How to how to even be aware of the thoughts that we're having, but not feeding any of those things coming in through our senses, not feeding them with our attention. Our attention is just going to be focused on the breath and letting that calm the mind. And by calming our minds, we're able to, we're able to develop a clearer focus. We're able to just, that will naturally become uh, samadhi, that deeper, calm mind, which allows us to focus so much better. So don't worry if you have thoughts, if you feel, every time you feel pulled uh, to something outside of yourself, or maybe something in yourself, you may have pain or discomfort, you might need to move your posture to feel, have a better feeling, but we can usually deal with things arising and just watch their nature. They'll arise and pass away, just like thoughts that come into our mind. And the mind is a sense organ in the Buddhist teaching, so our thoughts are the product of that mind, one of them. We can watch the thoughts arise, but we don't have to get caught up and make a story or feed those thoughts and we'll watch them pass away. So even discomfort can be something we watch pass away. So lift, lift up so you can feel attentive and awake. That's the only requirement we need. And just be aware of the body breathing. And at book group, that was last night, we talked about the importance of just being with a normal breath and how often we start meditation maybe with a little awkwardness, maybe with a little 
okay, I've got to get this breathing right. So we just, we're not controlling the breath. We're really trying to just be breathing normally, which people pointed out, when you decide you're going to start breathing normally and watch your breath, then it doesn't, it's not normal anymore. So let's start with a few deep, two or three deep breaths in and out. Just through the nostrils. And at your own pace, maybe the exhale can be a little bit longer. Now just move to your natural breath, just normal breathing for you. And you'll notice right away, normal breathing doesn't have the exact same pattern with every breath. So the first thing we can begin to observe, first thing will be where we, where do we want to Stay with the breath so we can follow it. Where are we going to focus our attention in the body? So traditionally in our practice, we focus around the nose and that skin on our upper, above our upper lip. But there, it's also another spot that you can choose. And if you practice this, stay with the same spot for one meditation practice. Then the next time, if maybe try the other. And the other most common is to just be aware of the belly, your tummy, your stomach. As you inhale, you can put your hands on it or just be aware of the sensation against your clothes. The belly will rise as you inhale and it contracts a bit as you exhale. So that's another spot you can choose to observe the breath. And you'll notice that some breaths are longer, some are shorter. A breath may feel deep one time, and then the next breath may feel a little shallow. So your first uh, focus can be noticing that. Notice the breath that's longer or shorter or deep or shallow, just be aware. We're not trying to make each breath the same, we're just observing the natural breath.
You can observe thoughts coming into your head. But just observe them. No need to get distracted by them. Just see them come. Then if we don't get distracted by that thought, get caught up in it, then we'll also just see it go. And another will come up and we can let that one go. And when we let go, we can come back again to the breath. Now notice your body, is it relaxed? Do you feel awake? And if your hands are clenched, I suggest you just open your palms. Maybe put them face down on your upper legs. Put them in a position that allows you <clears throat> to have them feel relaxed. Let go of tension. Just let go of everything. Everything except the breath. Just allow your breath <clears throat> to calm your mind and calm your body. We're not trying to escape the body. We're trying to be with our body in this world. Being aware what's going on, how we react, how easily we become distracted.
and we're learning how to deal with those distractions in a way that's kind to ourselves and will lead to wisdom and insight, but we have to stay with it. So as we complete the short practice for today, hopefully you can just continue to sit for a while or walk, do walking meditation with your eyes open. But we can, let's end by sharing merit. May everything we do and say and think today be done for our benefit but also be done for the benefit of all other sentient beings. So may all of us be well and at peace and be content and know joy. And also may all beings be free from suffering and its causes and may they be able to live in peace. Thank you so much. Enjoy a beautiful day or a beautiful evening wherever you are. I'll see you Thursday.